about being in God's presence. It's just, you, you never get tired of it. Amen. You never get tired of being in God's presence. Let's jump right in. Let's jump right into scripture today. And let's open up to Proverbs chapter one. I'm going to jump right in. Proverbs chapter one. Glory to God. And we're going to start right there, right in verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and enigma and, and an enigma. The words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm going to read that again. Verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Last week. We were talking about why do we need to read the Bible okay? and what it what reading the Bible can do for us in our spiritual walks. Well, today we're going to look at wisdom. And so the question today is going to be, what can wisdom do for me? And you see there in Proverbs a lot of mention of wisdom. And we're going to talk about Solomon a little bit later in his wisdom. But we're going to talk about the importance of why we need to have wisdom in our everyday lives. We're going to talk about how we can also obtain wisdom and how do we use the wisdom when we actually have it. Now, there's a difference between wisdom and discernment, but they typically work hand in hand. Discernment is going to be information that is given to you under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Um, usually it's information about a situation that you probably would not have known. Um, you pro- probably have various examples of that. If you've ever known when someone makes a decision and they don't tell you why they made the decision, but you get this inkling in your spirit as to, oh, I know why you've made that decision. That could be Holy Spirit discernment, being able to give you the intent of what's uh, of what's going on in somebody's life. Wisdom is then what do you do once you get that revelation from Holy Spirit? Once he shares that information with you, what do you do with that? Do you share that in the moment or do you just wait and not say anything? But wisdom is about what do you do with the information that you get? In verse, um, verse 5 there, a wise man will hear and increase learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. You gain, you can gain wisdom in various ways. In wisdom, there's godly wisdom and then there's manly wisdom. There's a lot of people in the world that are wise. Wisdom can just easily be attained by studying a particular topic, doing a deep dive into that topic. So you gain a deep, deep, thorough understanding that many others might not, which then informs how you move forward. But then there's also the godly wisdom that, that God wants us to have that we should look at in increasing. If you are wise, you will continue to learn and try to gain additional knowledge on whatever that subject matter might be. So when it comes down to things of God, you're going to read your Bible. You're going to seek God's face. You're going to pray. You're going to attend church. And when you go to seek wise counsel, you will seek the counsel from those that you know are in alignment with the Holy Spirit. If I'm going to go ask somebody for advice on something, especially when it's something that's real deep and real close and personal, I'm just not going to ask a random person on the street. 
I'm not going to ask somebody necessarily that I've worked with for many years, but I'm going to go to someone that I know that has, is going to give me some wise counsel, not from man's wisdom, but from God's wisdom. In verse seven there, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is not saying that we need to fear the Lord in terms of I am afraid of you. Okay? And some Christians do believe that, oh, yeah, I am afraid of God. But, you, but that means that you didn't read the other part of the Bible where it says God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and of a sound mind. So why would God be saying to be afraid of me if he hasn't given us that spirit of fear? This fear is talking about having reverence and respect for God. And like we listen to the song because of who you are is understanding who God is. He's our provider. He's our prince of pe- prince of peace. He's our healer. He's our banner and he is so many other things. He's the rock of my salvation. Okay, he is so many things. And because we know who he is and we know his his awesome greatness and his his loving mercy, that reverence is is what this is talking about and how that begins your your quest for knowledge or your, your gaining of knowledge. Now, what does that have to do with wisdom? Well, if I understand who God is and I really, really, really believe he is who he is, then I will go ahead and I will seek counsel from him. I will seek his face. I will read his word. I will pray with him and I will communicate with him. I won't just pray to him and then walk away, but I will actually pray and listen. And then when he shares that information with me, then I figure out how am I going to go ahead and do what it is that he's telling me to do? Because sometimes he's not always specific as we would like him to be. Sometimes it's just go into that direction and I will tell you what you need to do after you get there. And so we if we are really looking at being um, fearing the Lord in terms of having reverence for him, we will go to him with anything and everything and we will seek his we will seek his knowledge. Okay. So that's just a little bit there of how we can start. Building wisdom is by seeking his face, understanding who he is. And then also understanding that when we use wisdom, it's important that we are checking whatever it is that's in front of us, whatever piece of information you get, whatever the situation is. We take that in and we don't put it into our minds, but we put it into our spirits. So you get a nasty email at work and we've heard this example plenty of times. You get a nasty email at work. How do you respond? You know, do you respond back with another nasty email or do you take a step back and say, okay, should I how should I respond? And I know that there's been plenty of times when um, I've drafted up emails and it's been kind of a. a practice that I've gotten into where I get an email about something and it gets on my nerves and I'll just type something back and I'll walk away and come back to it about a half hour or so later. And every time I've done that, when I pull that email up and looked at what I typed up, I said, "Ooh, yeah, mm, I might not want to send that out. And then I end up retyping it up. And, and usually that next email is a lot shorter than the first one is because I'm just going, you know, point by point and, 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 and calling out every single mistake that might be in that email or everything that that kind of gave me that reaction. But it's being able to take that information in and say, okay, Lord, here's how I'm feeling about this. Okay. And it's not like I don't get annoyed when I see things or I might not get upset about something. We all have those, those feelings. But when I get that, then I say, okay, Lord, how should I respond to this? If I should even respond, because sometimes we don't even need to respond to certain things. So let's start looking at now, why do we need wisdom? As we've kind of talked a little bit about um, how we start to build this wisdom in terms of uh, understanding who God is and believing who he is and seeking his face. Why is it that we actually need wisdom and why do we need, more importantly, godly wisdom? Well, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Why do we need wisdom?
let's start in verse number 16. Matthew 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. If you don't have that underlined, uh, if you don't have that underlined, go ahead and underline that. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Underline all of verse 19 and 20. Okay. If you don't like public speaking or for whatever reason you get nervous going on a job interview or talking in front of people. That is not a bad scripture to think about in terms of not worrying about what it is that you should speak. Because you, it's not you don't always have to be in a situation where you might be for might be before someone of high authority or some sort of power to where you start shaking in your boots and you think, OK, Lord, give me the words. It doesn't always have to be that bad. It could simply be, you know, what? I'm going to go to this meeting and I'm facilitating. and I've got an agenda lined up. I know all the people in the room, but still, Lord, give me the words to say, because you never know what situation you might be in. There could be something that comes up during that conversation that you don't know how to respond to. And you want to be able to respond in the way that God wants you to respond. I remember one time delivering a training and I had a feeling way this uh, going back several years. There was a question that was getting ready to come up and I can tell where the question was going. And I could also tell that I didn't really know what response was going to be. And I just simply quietly to myself. I said, all right, Lord, give me the words to respond to this. I don't know what I said. But it took care of the situation. Amen. It took care of the situation. And I just, and it was just a quick Lord. Just give me the words to say, because I'm not sure where it is. And as I'm looking around the room, I can see the faces of the people like, oh, gosh, where is this going to go? Oh, how is he going to respond? And I didn't think twice about it. I said, Lord, just give me the words to say. And he went ahead and gave me the he told me what I what it is that I need to say. So one of the reasons why we need wisdom is because you never know what you might need to say to someone in a situation. And in today's world, especially um, when you look at politics, I mean, you know, there was a time when that uh, policy or rule, if you will, of not talking religion and politics in the workplace, people would stick to that. Um, a lot of t- nowadays, there's always a group of people that will bring up politics and religion in the workplace. And usually it's not like a it's usually an in your face kind of thing. Right. And, it, and it's they, they almost they know. They know there's something different about you, but they're not quite sure and they're looking for a reaction. So you need wisdom because you can't fight fire with fire. Okay? If somebody's going to be in your face about something, um, especially something against the word of God, you've got to have that wisdom in there to know how to respond. Because it might be that mm, I'm not going to respond. I'm just going to. Oh, OK, that's your opinion. OK. And then leave it at that. But if you go out there and you start getting up in, the, in, in people's faces, you don't know what that's going to do to that relationship. You don't know what that could do in terms of. Um, Blocking Holy Spirit's ability to reach and connect to that person because maybe they are seeking. But if you're doing it in and of yourself, they're not going to be able to look. They're not going to be able to really hear from Holy Spirit because what will happen is, is they'll just replay over, and over and over again in their mind what you said to them and how they and how you said it. And then they'll walk away and say, you know, I'm never going to talk to that person again because you are supposed to be a Christian. How dare you speak to me that way? Okay. How many times have you ever heard? Well, that's not Christian like behavior. 
You can't say that. You're a Christian. You shouldn't do that. You can't tell me no because I'm a, you're a Christian. You should be saying yes. You should be helping me because you're a Christian. And people will use that a, a lot. Um, in verse 16 there, verse, uh, 16 through 18 there, it talks about going out as sheep among the midst, um, being sheep in the midst of wolves. So we have to learn with wisdom. It helps us learn how to navigate through this tumultuous time. It teaches us how it helps us to figure out how to navigate in a world when we are hated just for Jesus Christ's name, because Jesus said that you will be hated for my name's sake. So wisdom allows us to be able to figure out how to navigate through those things. And if you've ever watched um, a snake move around and I've had the unfortunate um, <laughs> blessing, if you will, so to speak, when living in North Carolina, being exposed to poisonous snakes. Um, and one of them, I literally was about six inches from stepping on him. I didn't see him in the, in the driveway. And it kind of shocked me because I didn't realize how tiny it actually was until I saw it on, across my driveway and I almost stepped on it. And when I stopped and looked at him, he didn't move. He just stayed right there and he just kind of hung out. So I went a different route and then he disappeared later on. And then one day I walked outside and I saw this huge snake slithering across our driveway. And I'm thinking to myself, how could a thing like that move so quickly? But at the same time, it almost has like a majestic move to it, the way it kind of just moves around in kind of an, an S shape and everything like that. And I started thinking, I said, you know, that one that I almost stepped on, it was wise of me not to continue down that path because he had a lot of poison in him. And if he wanted to, he could have just curled up, bang, probably could got, got me on the ankle, and I would have been to the hospital. Okay? So if you notice the way snakes are, even with all that poisonous venom those poisonous snakes have that, that are in them, they're not always on the attack. They kind of just look, and they just kind of pay attention, and they see, oh, man, something's there I'm not quite sure about. I'm just going to watch, and they have some uh, sensors in their tongues, which is why they, they flick their tongues out. But they're not always on the attack, even though that they could attack us. And, you know, as human beings, some of that venom could be extremely dangerous to us. So they're wise in the ways that, in, in terms of, they know the power that they have in certain situations, but they don't always go out there and exercise that power. So as Christians, we know the power of the word of God, but it's not always for us to be able to start quoting scriptures to people just because they, they do something or say something that we don't agree with. That's being wise and being harmless as doves. Being harmless as a dove simply means that we walk around, we don't go beating our chest or carrying about this Bible that's so big you got to put it in a wheelbarrow or drag it down the street or something like that. Or, or have one of those big old crosses hanging from your neck that's so heavy you can't even lift your head up or anything like that. We don't have to do all that. We walk around and we try to make peace. What does the Bible say about pursuing peace with all mankind, right? So it's about trying to live in peace as much as possible and knowing when to use the word of God to be able to navigate through this, through this life. All right. Pick it up here in verse 21. Actually, let's back up to verse 20. For you, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Verse 21. Now, brother will deliver up brother to death and a father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated. There it is. You will be hated for by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved when they persecute you in this city. Flee to another, for assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. There's two more reasons why we need to have wisdom. One wisdom, another reason is because wisdom will help us to endure to the end, even though we're being hated for Jesus Christ's name. So having wisdom allows us to be able to deal with all sorts of situations and not worry about what that outcome is going to be. If I'm having a conversation with someone or if I get a, a letter in the mail that's bad news, 
if I'm being wise and understanding God's word and knowing that all things work together for good for those that love God, the called according to his purpose, I'm not going to worry about what that result's going to be. I'm not going to worry about what the, what the effects, if you will, are going to be is if I say something to somebody under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's one way. That's another way that wisdom helps us is to be able to endure the persecution that we face as, as, as Christians. Also, if you notice in verse 23... When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. Wisdom will also help us to understand whether or not we should run or we should continue to fight. Many times as Christians, we think we think our job is to take on every single problem in the world that goes against God, that we're supposed to be sticking our noses in everybody else's business, and that we should stand there and just fight every single opposition that's out there. Sometimes God is saying, no, leave it alone. What did Jesus tell his disciples? If they don't accept you in the city, just take the dust off your feet and keep moving. And I'm paraphrasing that. OK. In other words, deliver the message I need you to, del- to deliver and then be on your way. Amen. If I need you to stay there, I'll tell you to stay there. Not everybody is supposed to stand up and fight Goliath the way David did. OK. Amen. And I'm talking literally speaking there. Not everyone is called to sit there and fight this opposition. It might just be that you have awareness of the opposition and God is calling you to go quietly into your secret, into his hiding place, that secret place, and actually give that situation over to him. So wisdom will tell you whether or not it's time for you to go or whether or not it's time for you to stay. Verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them. And underline all of 26 here. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. So what wisdom is, what wisdom can do for you as well, is to help you not to be afraid of what's happening around you. I was and I was talking about that a little bit earlier, not worrying about what the results going to be. Also, not worrying about all those people that might be doing things in secret and the things that might get you frustrated. And if you pay attention to politics, I don't care what side of the aisle you might be on, what your political affiliation is. If you pay attention to what's happening in the world with current events, there's enough out there to just drive you crazy. There's a lot of things that seem to be happening quietly behind the scenes. And just and it just makes you wonder, like, how is that happening? Right. That's the how is that happening? That's the question we always ask. But if we're wise, we might ask that question of, well, how is that ha- is, is happening or how is that not happening? But we don't worry about whether or not that gets actually brought to light, because we also know the word of God says that there's nothing covered that will not be uncovered. And matter of fact, let me see here. I believe it's um, uh, Proverbs 19. Uh, let's see. Where was it? It was in Proverbs 19. Sorry, Proverbs 24, 19 says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. So wisdom will allow us to remember that so that if things aren't coming to the light the way we think they should or the things that we think should come to the light aren't coming to the light. Wisdom is going to allow us to be able to say it's okay because it's all in God's timing because the wicked soon will be taken care of. Wisdom is important to use in all sorts of decision making, all sorts of decision making. Sometimes we wait around and we think that 
what is, how, do, how do people in the world say, they say uh, the stars align, right? So that's just another way of saying it's the perfect set of circumstances. Sometimes using wisdom means you don't wait for the so-called perfect set of, ex- set of ex- uh, circumstances. Excuse me, say that ten times fast, okay? You know, I remember when, uh, when my son was born, and wife and I, we had a car, and we had every intent to keep the car. But when we put him, when we got him home from the hospital, we stuck him in the car seat. You know, they got the car seats that you can carry with you and everything like that. Stuck him in the back seat in the car seat. We said, wow, it's tight back there. I don't know. I, I don't know how we're going to do this. And then you remember that. We were like, I don't know how we're going to, how we're going to do this here. Um, and we were, I don't know what, three years into a, a seven year payment on the, on the car. And we just said, ah, even though we'd love to have this car paid off, we need something bigger for the kids. And through a whole host of circumstances, I remember sitting in the in the guy's office and he said, all right, how much money do you want to put down? And I said, nothing. I'm praying for a miracle. He kind of looked at me kind of funny. And then five minutes later, he came back and said, all right, here go the terms. Here you go. And we walked out of there with a brand new car. The circumstances weren't where we would like him, where we would have liked him to be. But through that, not only did we get a car that was going to meet the needs of our family because it was about putting our family first. It wasn't about us. But they also paid off what we owed on the car. So we walked out of there with a brand new car and the other car was free and clear. But we were using wisdom in that process. It wasn't about just going out and grabbing whatever whatever car it might be. It's about what is it that we need for our family so that our family can be comfortable. And that's the prayers that to God was, Lord, give us a vehicle so that we can transport our family and so that we can transport groceries and do all these other things to bless people. OK, to bless others. So there's a whole host of other reasons there as to why we would want to seek um, why wisdom is needed. But let's go ahead and move on to how do I actually obtain wisdom? How do I obtain wisdom? As we read earlier in Proverbs 1, it starts with understanding who God is and what he has done for us. So having that reverence for God, because that starts the journey to obtaining wisdom. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. As we look at how do we obtain wisdom? First Corinthians one verse. Let's start in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. A lot of people don't understand how is it that Jesus Christ could die on a cross and be raised again. Especially if they don't if they just look at Jesus as just a prophet or some guy who lived back in the day talking a bunch of nonsense. They can't understand the fact that he died and he rose again. And more importantly, he is the son of God. So to to, so to those people, it's foolishness. Okay, verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring nothing to the understanding and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. This is not talking about destroying um Godly wisdom. This is talking about um, people that seek wisdom in, in, in worldly things like the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were always sitting there talking about, well, what's the meaning of life and having all these philosophical conversations. Um, or uh, when you have nowadays, you have people that 
look to science to try to determine all these things that are that science can't explain. And they don't understand that, well, God transcends science. So I can't say that as a scientist because I will be discredited by my community. And so what God is saying here is that in all those type of situations, I'm going to destroy all of that wisdom. So you might be smart. You might be an Albert Einstein type. But there are some things that about me that you don't understand. And if you don't understand them, I'm going to destroy those things that you that you think, you know, so to speak. Verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message of the message preached to save those who believe. So there were, you know, just a a few people that actually believed um, in what in what God was was preaching. And so um, they're not considered to be foolish, but they ended up becoming saved. For Jews request the sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And in verse 25, underline this, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Think about that, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So what this is saying here is that the things that God does that don't make sense to us. Is wiser than anything that we could actually come up with, anything that you can come up with. I remember (laughs) my wife and I just talking about the first car we bought, this little Chevy Corsica. And I remember we were driving down uh, Commercial Street there, and we were, I don't know, probably six or seven cars back from the red light when it stopped. And we would come to a stop, and the car shuts off. And so I'm sitting there trying to start, and it won't start. And she was pregnant with Chloe in, in, I don't know, probably eight, eight, almost nine months or so. Um, So she hopped in the driver's seat, and I'm pushing the thing down, and I'm telling her to turn the car so we can get it off off on the side street. And a guy came out, and he helped us get it over there. We pulled over to the side of the road. I'm trying to start. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't start. I called up a... um, uh, I'll let Robin say, hey, I need a jump or something like that. I'm not sure what's going on. They're like, oh, yeah, we're running kind of behind. It's going to be about 20 or 30 minutes or so before we can get out there. So you're like, all right, well, that's fine. Here's, here's where we'll be. And I remember some said, just pop the hood and go look, under the, go look under the hood. So I pop the hood. I look under there. I'm like, everything's connected. What's going on? And then I distinctly felt, put your hand on the engine and pray over it. I'm like, um, the engine is hot. Why would I do that? So put your hand on the engine and pray over it. I said, well, here we go. Put my hand on the engine. Believe it or not, it wasn't hot. Prayed over that. said, in the name of Jesus, start. Went inside, turned the key, boom, started right up. Okay. Amen. What kind of sense does that make to those that don't understand who God is? So if I didn't understand who God was and what he is able to do, I would have never looked at that and put my hand on the hood of that, uh, on the engine and actually prayed over it. Because what went through my mind at the time was, if I touch this thing, I'm going to burn my hand and my skin's going to be stuck and then we're going to have all sorts of other issues. And... Why would I do that? Why would I put myself through that? And then I have to remember, wait a second. This is God telling me to do this. I'm just going to go ahead and do it, and we're going to see what happens. I end up calling the company and say, oh, never mind. I don't need anybody to come out or anything like that. Oh, okay, no problem. And then we went on and finished doing whatever errands we had to, we had to run, okay? But that is what this is talking about, is that foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So if you think about that, if if there was a way to really make God weak— which is not possible. What this is saying is that if God was weak, he's still stronger than us. 
Okay, so understanding that is critical when it comes down to wisdom, because when we think that we are so strong and that we are so tough, we have to remember God is much stronger and much tougher than we are. So if we're able to take ourselves and bring us that bring ourselves down a little bit and allow God to get in there and really do what he can do. We will see all sorts of miracles take place in our lives. We will see all sorts of challenges being being overcome. Okay, so how do I obtain wisdom? One way is to understand that God's foolishness, so to speak, is wiser than anything that you can come up with. I don't care how smart you think you you think you might be. I don't care what your IQ level might be on one of those IQ tests or if you could sit down and crunch a bunch of numbers and do math in your head and all of that stuff. That's still not as as wise as what God has. Also, let's turn now to uh, to first Kings three. We're going to look at a familiar scripture here about wisdom as well. A simple way to actually get wisdom. One Kings chapter three. Oh, praise the living God. One Kings chapter three, starting with verse one. Now, Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter, then brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. As Solomon loved the Lord, underline that, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for, uh, for that was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? Remember now, Solomon is king and God is saying, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness and in upright of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you get you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Underline that, but I am a little child, for I do not know how to come out or go in. When we're seeking the Lord and we're asking him for wisdom and for insights and for how to carry out various things, we should be going to him as a child. Okay? You think about it as a kid. When you went to your parents to ask them a question, you didn't stop to think, huh, I wonder if they have the answer to this. You just went and you asked them. You sought them out because you knew that there was something that they can share with you. You want you had some information. You knew you can get it from them. So when we're going to God, we should be going to them as a child, not trying to wonder whether or not he has the answer, but knowing that he does have the answer. And I remember as a kid thinking to myself, my parents know everything. (laughs) I think they they know it. I can ask them any question. They'll have an answer to it. Now, I didn't come up with any questions like, you know, what's the square root of 15 million six hundred and twenty two or anything like that? You know, those kind of things. But I never sat there and thought, I wonder if mom and dad know this answer. No, I just went in there and I asked them. Okay, that's how we should be with God as a little child. And it's okay, no matter how much experience you have, no matter how many uh, notches you have on your spiritual belt in terms of overcoming challenges and trials and tribulations. You should never be so puffed up in yourself that you can't go to God as a little child. Okay, 
But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. Verse eight. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Okay, I'm going to pause there for a second. Look at what he asked. This is a king. This is a person in high authority with a lot of power. And he said, Lord, give me an understanding heart so that I can judge your people. What would you ask for if God told you what should what should you ask me? If God just walked up to you and said, what do you want from me? Name it and I'll give it to you right here, right now. How many of us would ask God for wisdom? So how can we obtain wisdom? Easy way to do it is just to go ahead and ask for it. And if you notice, and actually, let me not jump ahead. Let me not jump ahead of myself. Let's let's continue in verse 10. The The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there not so there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall be uh, so there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Underline all of verse 14. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So God was so happy with him. Not only did he give him the wisdom that he asked for, he gave him a a whole bunch of other stuff that he didn't even ask for. You think about the times you've asked for God for something to actually benefit others and not benefit yourself and see if he's ever just given you that or if he's actually given you more. I can think of all sorts of examples when I just said, Lord, this is what I would like, but this is what I need. Just give me what I need. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll give you what you need. And I'm going to give you so much more than that, too. I think about, you know, recently, a couple of years ago, how my wife and I moving into a house. And uh, we were kind of on that last day where it was like, all right, if we don't find anything here, we're just going to stay put. Um, and I remember just driving around and I felt in my spirit, go down the street, go over into this neighborhood. And I'm like, Lord, why would I go over to that neighborhood? Because I've been there so many times. There's nothing over there. Just go over there. I'm like, all right, fine. So I drive over there. The last stop of the day. After this, we were going to go home, regardless of what we saw. Went over there and we found a house that was available. Moved in and had so many blessings from the from then. And the house that we were actually looking at before that, that we just for some reason, it just wouldn't work out. When that house was built and built and completed, we looked at it and we said, "Ooh, thank God we didn't get into that house because it was nothing like we thought it was going to be. And to this day, I thank God every single day that he closed that door because it was disappointment at the time. But where we are now, only God, God obviously only had his hands on it. He blessed us in ways since we've been in that house that you can't even dream of. So not only should you ask for wisdom, okay, but you should ask it in order to be able to help others so that you can help others. Because the one thing that could come with wisdom, if you're not careful, is a prideful and haughty spirit. Because as you start to increase in godly wisdom, the same way as if you would increase in worldly wisdom, you then start to look for ways to use that information and that knowledge that you have. And if you're not careful, you can use it in the wrong way. 
You can start telling people about the, all the things that you know and start building up this following. To and, and you can see this, and, and I'm not, I'm not knocking any large churches or anything like that. Okay, um, there are some people that seek after the office of the pastor, if you will, just so they can have a huge following, so they can look out on the crowd and see all these people just hanging on every single word they said. So that when they walk down the street and when they go check their emails, they can see, oh, this person wants this, this person. It, it, it's, it's almost as if there is a joy in taking on everybody else's burdens. Okay? And what happens with that, if you're not careful, you start to get puffed up in and of yourself. You start to get prideful. You start to get haughty. So the words that come out of your mouth are no longer words being driven by Holy Spirit, but they are your words. And as people are starting listening, they're hanging on and they're looking like, oh, I wonder what he's going to say next. I wonder what he's going to say next. You sit there and you just, oh, look at this. They really want to listen to me. And then you start spewing out all sorts of stuff. And if you're not careful, you have no idea where you might be leading that. And you can see it in cult practices, not the occult, but in actual cults. You can see these people that rise up to lead these cults and they are just leading people down the wrong down the wrong way. So when you're asking for wisdom, be sure you're asking for it to be able to help others and help those that help those that are in need. And also be careful and watchful for uh, a haughty spirit or a prideful spirit that may be coming with all the knowledge that you that you are obtaining. How can we use the wisdom? Let's continue on here in, in uh, First Kings chapter three. Uh, let's, we're in. Let's jump down. Uh, let's finish up in verse fifteen here. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant, before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Verse sixteen. How do we use wisdom? Now two women who were harlots, came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child on my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was there. He was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had whom, whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. So in other words, two women here gave birth. One of the children died. And now they're having an argument um, in Sol- to Solomon saying, who's my child? Which one is my child? Now? So they're arguing over this, this, this child that's alive. Um, both of them are claiming that this one live child belongs to each of them. OK, uh, verse uh, verse 23. And the king said. The one says, this is my son who lives and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Now, that that that's quite the picture to paint there. Right. You, you imagine being in front of the king and having that conversation and saying, wait, a sword and you're going to cut the child in half. And that's what Solomon is offering to do, to cut the child in half 
and give them to, to each one. You know, it, it makes me think like when kids start to argue over toys, break the toy in half, <laughs> you know, real quick and say, well, if I break this toy in half, you each can have a piece and see which one of them will say, oh, let the other one have it, right? Makes, makes me want to do that, okay? Then the woman whose, whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. Mm, it's interesting. One says, no, nope, give him to the other lady. Don't kill him. And the other one says, no, let's go ahead and cut him in half and, and divide him up. So the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him, for she is the mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that, underline this, that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Okay? So you have to be careful when you're using, when you're using wisdom. And as you can see here, what Solomon knew was, if, he, if two, two women, two mothers are going to argue over a child, he knew that, the, that there could only be one of them that is the actual mother. And so with his wisdom that God had given him in previous scriptures there, with that wisdom, he was able to discern, okay, bring me a sword. Now, was he really intent on cutting the child in half? Probably not. I don't think he would. All right. But what he knew was that if I take this sword out and I go to cut this child in half, the real mom would say and say, no, stand up and say, no, let the, let the, let the child live. And that's exactly what happened. So it was easy to understand then who, who the child belonged to. And through that, by using that godly wisdom... Word spread. So for it says in verse 28, and all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered and they feared the king for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. So what everyone in Israel knew then was that you're not going to pull the wool over Solomon's eyes, so to speak, because he was operating with some godly wisdom. All right. Amen. So we need to make sure that we are operating in godly wisdom. So some practical examples that we can do in terms of using wisdom. I talked a little bit about these earlier. When you're having a conversation with someone and you feel like you might know something that they're not willing to share with you for whatever reason, because they want to keep it quiet. Quickly ask God, Lord, should I say something about this? OK. Pray about it when you get home. Lord, here's what I heard in this conversation with this particular individual. Is there anything that you want me to do about it? Because the last thing you want to do is go ahead and say something that that they may not be ready to hear. You say something to somebody that they're not ready to hear. You don't know what that's going to do in terms of them turning their back on God and God could be calling out to them. And that happens a lot. I mean, I remember in college walking through and we had this really huge um, grassy area by a food court that if you walk there any day, you see a lot of college students out there and they're studying and hanging out, tossing the football or playing Frisbee. And it wasn't uncommon to also see people there standing with these big picket signs talking about God and shouting some scriptures or something like that. And I never actually heard what they said, but it was kind of aggressive. And I remember even a friend of mine said, would do you do stuff like that? Because he knew I was a Christian. I said, I said, the only thing I could say is hopefully God is guiding them on what they're doing. And I left it at that. But it just makes you wonder, though, is that was that of God to be out there standing and shouting like that? Or was that of themselves because they want to go out and they want to save the world? You have to use wisdom in those situations. You got to use wisdom any, in anything that you say, especially in the workplace, even around family and friends. Sometimes you got to be real careful about what you say, because you never know where that can go. You got to be careful on who you share your dreams with. 
Not everyone has your back that's out there. Now, don't go out there and be paranoid and trying to say, oh, everybody's against me and everything like that. But you have to be real careful about who you share your dreams with. Because while they may look at you in the face and say, oh, that's an awesome dream to have. And, hey, maybe you should go talk to this person and go talk to that person. They may not. They may secretly be saying, oh, boy, I hope you fail. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send you to talk to this person because I know that they're not going to help you. You just you just never know. So you always want to take everything to God and then use the wisdom to make sure that everything that he's telling you, that you are saying the right words to the right people and you're speaking when you're supposed to speak. Wisdom is also having good wisdom also ensures that God is directing us and that we're representing him the way that he wants us to. When you think about any one of our ambassadors to other countries, if you've ever seen them on the news, you always can see they're always usually like in some sort of suit and tie and they have the American flag uh, pin on their on their lapel because they know that they are representing the United States of America. And whatever they say and whatever they do is going to be in direct representation of what we believe and how we approach situations, et cetera, like that. There's no questioning that they're an ambassador. So if we're using wisdom, then we should also be very careful about how we're presenting ourselves to others. If you have kids, also being being mindful of how your kids are representing God when they're when they're with their classmates, praying for them, praying that they would be spiritual leaders, even in their classroom, being spiritual leaders, even with among teachers. Because no child is too young to actually be a spiritual leader, so to speak. You can see the Christ in a lot of children. Using wisdom in determining what you should purchase as well. Pastor many times has shared examples about buying something and and having having to give him a headache afterwards. And I've had tons of those experiences, too. Um, Black Friday, big old Black Friday sale. It's like, oh, I've never seen this at that low price before. And I go out there and buy something like that. Three weeks later, it's even lower than what it was when I got it. And I'm like... Man, I just want to return it and get it at a cheaper price or something like that. You know, but it's a passive return window and all those other things. Okay? So using some wisdom when you're, when you're making purchases. And it doesn't have to be anything big. It could be something small. I just went and bought some uh, uh, Wasp and Hornet spray the other day and looked at the price. I said, oh, I'm going to go ahead and grab this and went outside to use it. And, I don't know, within two minutes, the whole can was empty. And I was telling my wife about it. I said, oh, I guess that's what, you know, $2.58 gets you when you get a can of wasp and hornet spray. Some no-name hornet spray out there, and I'm, you know, spraying these wasps and everything like that. And uh, I'm not sure if it even killed them because I saw them buzzing around a whole lot more after that. And I just said, wow, maybe this wasn't the right thing to do, you know. Um, so, so something as silly as that, though, will allow you then to make sure you're using wisdom in the bigger things. When you're looking for a house, whether or not you should take that job. What you should say in an interview, what you should say at work, what you shouldn't say at work, what you should say to your kids, okay? Where you should go on vacation, where you should stay on vacation. How many people actually pray about what hotel they should stay in when they go on vacation? Or what airline they should fly, or what cruise ship they should take? Or if they're driving, what route should they take to to work? There's not many people that have only one route to take to work, but they take the same route over and over again because it's familiar. Maybe sometimes switching it up. I was driving down the street, street the other day going to work, and I was like, okay, this is where I normally go. And for some reason, I just felt keep going this way. I'm like, eh, okay. I don't know why, but I went that way. Still got to work on time without any problems. I don't know why I went that way. I don't know why God was calling me to go that way. I just went ahead and did it, okay? Could have gone the way that I normally went, but for whatever reason, I felt in my spirit just go this way. Now, did anything happen on that other route? I have no idea. I didn't look to see. And sometimes we do that. We'll follow God and say, all right, Lord, I followed you in this direction, but why? 
And sometimes it's not just a matter. Sometimes it's not, oh, there's, you know, something worse could have happened over there. Sometimes it's just I want to see if you're actually going to listen to me because I've got something else that I need to tell you that's much bigger than the route that you need to take to work. Okay. So wisdom, what can wisdom do for me? Wisdom can keep you out of a whole lot of trouble. Wisdom can keep you focused on God and it can get you down the path that he wants you to go. And it could keep you safe when you're experiencing troublesome situations. It can give you some peace. It can give you action. It can give you direction. Okay. It can bring you joy. It can bring you happiness. But if you don't use the wisdom, you can find yourself struggling longer than you need to be. You can find yourself making enemies of friends, not because of what you believe, but because you said something that God wasn't calling you to say or because you did something God wasn't calling you to do. So as you move forward, I encourage you, anything that you do, to take, take a step back and pause for a few moments and make sure that you're checking in with God so that you're using godly wisdom in, in your next action and not manly wisdom. Amen? Amen? I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. Now let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.